Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Tuesday, February 6th. I'm Jonathan All. Thousands of miles of oil and natural gas pipelines already crisscross much of the country, including the Midwest. And now there are proposals for thousands of more miles to carry carbon dioxide for sequestration. Really long pipeline networks that sort of spiderweb connecting all sorts of sources to different sinks. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt examines how regulatory failures and lasting damages from past pipeline projects are making many farmers and landowners wary of the proposed routes. That's coming up on The Gateway. After taking a two-week break, Illinois lawmakers are back in Springfield today with some unfinished business to attend to. Mawa Iqbal reports. Lawmakers left the Capitol last month without voting on how members of the Chicago Board of Education should be elected during this year's general elections. At the same time, Governor J.B. Pritzker says he is waiting on lawmakers to come up with a spending bill to help Chicago address its migrant crisis. It is unclear when either of those measures will come up this legislative session. Workers' rights groups are also meeting with lawmakers this week to outline their legislative priorities. That includes abolishing the subminimum wage for tipped workers statewide and establishing a $300 child tax credit for families in financial need. I'm Mawa Iqbal. The latest American Community Survey report from the U.S. Census shows brain drain continues in many Midwestern states. The Center for Rural Affairs is a rural advocacy nonprofit organization based in Nebraska focused on economic opportunities. Jillian Linster, the center's interim policy director, says the census numbers are from 2022, and she expects things are trending upward in many places. I know that folks in rural Nebraska are invested in their communities, in revitalizing them, in strengthening them, in um, welcoming new community members. Employment in rural areas has reached pre-pandemic levels, but some communities are experiencing worker shortages. Experts say workforce dynamics, job availability, opportunities, and pay are a few reasons why people are moving. Illinois Lieutenant Governor Juliana Stratton has launched the state's first-ever healing-centered task force. Alex Degman reports. The idea is to ensure that trauma victims have prominent seats at the table as lawmakers craft statewide policies to help them. Stratton says the task force's first meeting included a number of people who have been there and have personal experiences to share. I think we've gotten to a point in our society, at least here in Illinois, where we've said, if we really want to break some of the cyclical and intergenerational aspects of trauma and the harm that it's caused, we have to get to the root. The group will look at mental health services provided in the state and determine how they can be improved. It has a year to submit its report to lawmakers and the governor. I'm Alex Dagman. A long-delayed federal trial for a former Illinois lawmaker charged with corruption stalled again yesterday when the accused didn't show up for trial because he was hospitalized. Former Republican state senator and conservative party governor candidate Sam McCann is charged with wire fraud, money laundering, and tax evasion in a case that accuses him of misusing campaign funds for his own personal benefit. Capital News Illinois reports McCann was supposed to go back on trial in November, but the trial was delayed when he abruptly fired his court-appointed legal team and said he'd represent himself. McCann's standby attorney told Judge Colleen Lawless yesterday his client was hospitalized, awaiting diagnostic procedures at a hospital in Missouri. Lawless and prosecutors ordered more information from McCann and the hospital. 
Is Missouri in the Midwest or the South? That's the question researchers asked residents of the Show Me State in a recent poll. The Midwest Newsroom's Holly Edgel reports that the results point to a very definite Midwestern identity. 94% of the 2,000 Missourians polled responded Midwest when asked which region they live in. Researchers from the Middle West Review and Emerson University said Missouri geography, history, and Southern cultural influences spurred the study. Missouri was a slave state and borders four states considered part of the South. The editor of the Middle West Review says the results will be useful to historians, scholars, and policymakers. The results support an earlier study that asked people from Colorado to Pennsylvania, do you live in the Midwest? 95% of Missouri respondents said yes. For the Midwest Newsroom, I'm Holly Edgel. To meet the country's climate goals, the United States must transition away from energy and industry sectors that produce a lot of carbon dioxide. Lawmakers have supported projects to do that, like pipelines to sequester CO2 or distribute hydrogen power. Now pipeline proposals crisscross the Midwest. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt reports how past experiences, along with a lack of clear regulation, have left farmers and landowners resistant to more projects. On a balmy day last October, Kenny Davis walked through a recently harvested soybean field on his property in southern Illinois. He points out what looks like a railroad tie sticking out of the ground. See that right there? That's a big chunk of wood, and I think it's going to be a mat. Yeah, that's a mat. Davis says it's leftover debris from years earlier, when the natural gas company Spire built a new pipeline through the middle of his property. They used wooden platforms to support the heavy machinery that installed the pipeline, and he says they left parts of it in his field. See how big a chunk that is? If that would have went through their combine, they'd have done some damage. Davis isn't the only one with damage along the 65-mile route. Further south, Ray Sinclair says the pipeline construction altered the slope of his soybean fields, causing water to pool. This green spot over here is a wet spot that we were not able to plant this spring. If that wet, had frogs in it. Sinclair says others have lost productivity too, with some farmers along the route saying their yields have been cut in half. The Illinois Attorney General is suing the company for the damages. Spire disputes the claims. As frustrated as Davis and Sinclair are with Spire, they say government regulators failed to hold the company accountable. The rules and all the regulations are all there, but that's just just for looks. Rules like returning the land to the way it was. The feds have said natural gas is a stopgap for the clean energy transition, but Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth says the damage is a wake-up call. The Spire situation has proven how much we need to update pipeline rules from regulators. Somebody has to be watching and checking up on what these companies are doing. And now, more pipelines are coming to carry CO2 for sequestration and hydrogen as a replacement for natural gas. Many are getting huge tax breaks from the Inflation Reduction Act. Tara Rigetti is a law professor at the University of Wyoming who focuses on carbon sequestration. There has been a collective choice to go down this path. Pretty much all of the modeling shows that carbon removal to some extent is going to be necessary. She says big emitters like ethanol facilities, chemical and power plants need pipelines to connect to places where captured CO2 can be stored. You can't pump the gas underground just anywhere. It takes a certain type of geology. 
The best places are along the Texas-Louisiana Gulf Coast, Midwest, and Great Plains, often not right next to large polluters. Rigetti says that means the current 5,000 miles of CO2 pipeline could grow tenfold. Really long pipeline networks that sort of spiderweb connecting all sorts of sources to different sinks. She says that initially means construction in mostly rural areas, but these projects have been a hard sell. Last year, Navigator CO2 scrapped its plan for 1,300 miles of CO2 pipeline across the Midwest, and operations of Summit Carbon Solutions' 2,000-mile network have been delayed by years after North and South Dakota rejected the company's permit requests. Jared Bosley is a fourth-generation farmer and rancher in northern South Dakota who has fought the pipelines. I mean, we're filling rooms with people, and the consensus is just no. We don't want it. Proponents say the CO2 pipeline projects would extend the life of the ethanol industry, but Bosley says it won't directly benefit farmers, and they shouldn't have to give up their land. You get absolutely nothing from this CO2 thing. Rigetti, the law professor, says that's understandable, especially for a new technology. Why should they be bearing those risks personally if they don't have any you know, individual benefit from it or use of it as well? She says communities where this infrastructure passes through should benefit from it, like getting a share of the billions of dollars these projects stand to generate. I'm Eric Schmidt, St. Louis Public Radio. That story was a product of the Mississippi River Basin Ag and Water Desk. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. We're a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. I'm Jonathan All, and from the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.